Hello, welcome back to another episode of Crowdworkcast. My name is Andrew Barnett. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, this week's episode, uh, my guest is Ben Elwood. Uh, Ben's a Sydney-based uh, stand-up comedian and writer, um, and uh, well, he's done a whole lot of stuff, as you'll hear in the episode. We talk about all these different careers, and uh, and yeah, he's a he's a really interesting guy. Ben Ben's one of my absolute favourite guys to uh, to watch do comedy. He's um, if you ever get a chance to watch Ben Elwood uh, perform, I uh, highly recommend it. It's exceptionally uh, honest, and um, it, there's something about Ben when he's just—he's almost like a raw nerve on stage, and it's fantastic. Um, to give you an idea, he—he uh, he actually recently supported Doug Stanhope in his tour of Australia. So, uh, if you're into Stanhope, um, know that Elwood's uh, Ben Elwood's one of the guys who uh, who was his support act. So that might give you an indication of the kind of uh, level of honesty you're talking about. Um, but yeah. We had a really good chat, uh, an interesting chat about all uh, all sorts of different topics, um, including uh, what Ben was like as a kid and uh, and the return of uh, his uh, the comedy room that he curates, a uh, uh, comedy room that uh, is back weekly in Sydney. It was an institution for a little while and then went away, um, but now it's back at the Chippo Hotel every Sunday night. Uh, that comedy room is Fuck Club, P H U K. There is the spelling on that one and. Uh, yeah, it's it's something different. We talk. Uh, I'll let Ben explain it. He explains uh, how that room works uh, towards the end of the episode. Um, so yeah, if you enjoyed this, make sure you get down uh, Chippo Hotel on a uh, Sunday night and check that out. Anyway, probably enough talking from me. Uh, let's hear some more talking from me. Uh, this is episode nineteen. Ben Elwood. New episode. G'day, buddy. What's your name? Uh, my name is Ben Elwood. Ben Elwood. Benjamin Alexander Herman Elwood. Herman? Yeah. Herman's the one I wouldn't have picked. Really? Well, actually... Nah, it it's not official. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's kind of an honouring my, uh, my grandparents. So it was, was my grandfather's d- surname. Yeah, I was gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would have been awkward if it was your grandmother's. <laughs> uh, it was my well, grandmother's became, first beca- name. <laughs> <laughs> It became her name once she married my grandfather. Oh, nice. She was a win, and then she became a Herman. So it's not a, it's not officially on my birth certificate. I think the Alexander is, but you know. Yes, Benjamin Alexander. Alexander Herman. Herman. What a wanker. That's, that's not bad. It's that's a fucking a mouthful. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> I, um, I've been interested. The, the, the more people, since I've started doing this now, more people have actually started giving their full name. <laughs> like early on, it's just people go, oh, I'm Dave. Like, oh, you got a surname, mate. It's like, but now, yeah, there's a couple. The last couple of people given there. It'd uh, be a good line. stage name. I should actually try that for a while. Get, being brought on stage. Please welcome to the stage, Benjamin Alexander Herman Elwood. Yeah, that'd be great. It'd be a um, it'd be a, yeah. <laughs> we are recording this in the uh, in comedy on edge room, and we just uh, just had a bloke walk in. Hey, uh, man, looking kind of confused. No, that's okay. You're not interrupting. Okay. Yeah, well, yep. welcome. Um, the show's not for a couple of hours, so uh, just relax. Yeah. yeah. You are nice to know. None of your audio has been picked up on the thing. That's why I'm repeating everything you're saying, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not a lunatic. If you, if you come down in about an hour, we won't be talking into the mics, and then the show will start. Yeah, no, that's well, I'm just looking for seizure anyway. Just yeah, looking for seizure. Yet. I haven't seen seizure yet. He's not here yet, so. No worries. Nice to uh, almost meet you. <laughs> <laughs> Lachlan, good... Yeah, actually, we have met before, Lachlan. I, you do look... I'm surprised it's your first time here. We're, um, you know what? We can do this in an hour. I'm recording this for a podcast. Yeah. All right, all right. Just, just fuck off, Lachlan. This is, fuck off. This is the first one that's like actual crowd work where I get distracted by something else. This isn't what I should be talking about. Uh, back to you, Ben. Yeah, I, I'm glad this isn't live. <laughs> um, um, so... Yeah, the Benjamin Benjamin Alexander Herman Elwood. Yeah. Would you would you just go with Ben Herman? As the, I don't as the know. Stage name? It, it sound, ben Herman sounds like a stage name, doesn't it? Ben Herman sounds like um, a play on Ben Hur the movie. It like, does. It huh? is, you are bigger than Ben Hur because you've got an extra three letters. <laughs> ben Hur man. Ben Hur man. <laughs> so it's not that pussy Ben Hur mate. Maybe that's a good way to uh, reinvent my stagnant failed career. Just change my name and pretend that I'm a completely different human being. 
I, I would love to see a character. <laughs> this could be your... Uh, this could be your uh, your lounge uh, lounge comedian uh, <laughs> character, Benjamin Herman, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, oh, actually, you'd have to go. He'd go super clean, like I'm picturing it, like a Brian Regan type, <laughs> just super clean comedy comedies for all the family. There's, <laughs> there's nothing controversial he ever says, as opposed to you. And people would be like, "Oh, he's you know, oh, his stage persona is that uh, the angry one." No, 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 that's natural, Ben. Yeah, um, <laughs> the manufactured one. <laughs> Do you feel like you've got a persona on stage or or do you feel like you're, you know, who you are on stage is just a natural extension of who you are off I, stage? I kind of feel like who I am on stage is somewhat, like mostly a natural um, yeah. natural extension of who I am. Not because not because I'm just like, you know, because some people go, oh, that, you know, that so to some people that would seem like a hard thing, but I'm not a good enough performer to be anyone else on stage. <laughs> like, no, but I think you actually have to be an even better performer to be who you are off stage, on stage. It's actually a lot harder than people think yeah. to have a seamless transition between the two. Yeah, it is. It's it's weird. I do find, though, like because I am not that different often on stage, mm. I'll often get people... You know that thing where you're talking to punters after a show mm. like, and they sometimes people expect you to be as funny and on yeah, yeah, off stage yeah. as you are off it takes a little bit longer for me to disappoint them because it's not as apparent <laughs> straight away <laughs> see i think i'm profoundly disappointing to people when i'm off when i come off stage because i'm quite you know the people i know i'm very like meh, 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 meh. but when i come off stage especially if i've done well i'm quite meek mm. uh and so you know if people come up and go oh that was great i'm like quite bashful i'm like oh you know th- 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 thanks man and it's such, I think yeah. it's such a contrast from, you know, fuck you, cunt, meh, 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 like what I am on stage that it's it's quite jarring for people. But it's also like sometimes I feel like, sometimes it's like it's an outlet. Like I feel yeah. like now I'm less annoying at like a social function than I used to be before <laughs> I did comedy because I would be, I'd, I'd be the guy that corners people and sort of half, half-baked just tell them a funny little story yeah, yeah, yeah. to people. Just, just riffing. Yeah, just yeah. looking for an audience trying to... <laughs> But now I get that. I'm, I'm much. I'm like. I'm a bit more timid at parties. Like I'm. Like, hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm much more quiet. <laughs> yeah, than yeah, I used yeah. To be. I don't need your validation. I got the validation of an entire room full of people yeah. last night. Yeah, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't need the validation of people I know. <laughs> Strangers mean so much more to me. <laughs> it's a sad state of affairs. Like. Oh, it is. It's a weird state of affairs. Yeah. So, um, so you, where do you grow up? Where I, I was thinking about this on the way in. Yeah. I actually don't know heaps about your history before <laughs> comedy. Like I was like, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm, I'm guessing you grew up around Sydney because I know you. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I grew up. Um, I, I, it was quite incongruent for my personality where I grew up. Um, I was born in like the northern suburbs of Sydney, like Roseville, Chatswood area. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then when I when I was about I think six or seven, it was the, it was the beginning of year two. So however old you are then, uh, we that, arrived that home be, and yeah, seven going on eight. Seven on eight. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. So we arrived home and literally our entire house had been emptied out. Neighbors reported that uh, people uh, showed up with a delivery van. And completely, like, I'm, t- I'm talking like posters off the wall, my school shoes, mum's underwear. Yeah, the only thing they left was a giant shit in the toilet, <laughs> which at the time I thought was horrific. But as an adult, you know, I kind of appreciate the, uh, just the fuck you of that move is so, it's, it's so full on. Also the confidence of how much time you've got. Yeah, exactly. Well, they'd obviously been staking the house out for a long time. They knew mm. exactly how long we'd be gone for. Um... So the house was completely emptied. They even poisoned the dog. They didn't kill him, but they, they you know, they um, doped the dog out with some whatever, you know, rehypnol-filled sausage or something. Yeah, not, not obviously, not a joke like the, the shit in the toilet, more just for practicality. Yeah, so practicality purpose. You don't need a, you know, Jack Russell going, yip, 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 the whole time. Yeah, that would uh, give, give attention kind to the um, So we were kind of desperate to find a place to live, and I think... Uh, my mother just kind of grabbed whatever was um, closest and most available. And for some reason, we moved to like the Neutral Bay Cremorne area, which is an incredibly wealthy area of Sydney. I was going to say, way to fail up. Yeah, you? yeah. Once you've been robbed, you know what? We need to move to a much more... We've got nothing. Um, let's move <laughs> yeah, to an yeah, expensive area. Let's move to area. a really affluent part of town. But I mean, the thing was, in every aff- even though you're in an affluent area of town, there's still shitty apartments, you know, that yeah. are, aren't, you know, the, the rent's uh, pretty good. So... 
despite living in a really nice area, we lived in a really shitty part of a really nice area, which, you know, is such a white person's thing to say. It's still a fucking really nice area. But, you know, it was a little shoebox apartment. Um, so I went to Neutral Bay primary school and you know i've always been you know meh, meh, a bit of a grub mm. so didn't really fit in there uh and then at the end of year six got into manly high school which was a selective high school whatever that means um academically selective or, ac- I, mean, I mean i'm looking i'm going it's it's, it's one of the things so <laughs> academics or athletics like one definitely of not athletics <laughs> I was uh, I was about ninety five kilos by the end of year six. Are you serious? Yeah, man, I was like wow. a big, big kid, really, really, really fat. And this was you know mid nineties where you know fat kids now dime a fucking dozen. Yeah. In the mid nineties, you were the only fat kid in the school, so you yeah. either had to learn how to be very witty and very quick, or you would be destroyed. Man, I I have always thought of myself as a chubby kid growing yeah. up through school and and I was to a degree in terms of like, you know, the kids I went to school with. Yeah. But now in a playground, I would have I would have been the Adonis. Oh yeah, beefcake. Like, <laughs> it's just like, mate, no, no, I was I was really I was I mean like like custom made school uniforms, oh, wow. no facial features, swallowed by fat, really, you know, and just this horrific, you know, jet white, jet white, jet white. Whatever. Yeah, white you know, ball like cut. The, the white that comes out of the uh the, the back of a jet. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, the chemtrail white. Yeah, yeah, chemtrail white. <laughs> chemtrail white bowl cut. Um, so, yeah, got into Manly, Manly Selective High School. So, still stayed, lived in Neutral Bay, but commuted to Manly. You know, it's a beaches high school. Yeah. Um, you know, I was the only fat kid and the only Jew in the literally the entire high oh, school. Wow. Um, but, you know, despite all that, you know, and, and not being very, being quite short and very fat, I never really had a confidence issue, so uh, that's endearing. Yeah, I I uh, I was insufferable, um, but I was very funny, and that uh, goes a long fucking way. Yeah, funny will get you uh, will get you out of a lot of scrapes, especially totally. as a kid. As, as, I don't know if it works the same um, for teenage girls, but for <laughs> teenage th- boys, you don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if in their so- social circles, because I, mean, I mean, having never been a teenage girl, that's you true. Know, I can't speak on their behalf. No, there. no, but I do think uh, I do think, and I've had this theory for a while that humor is. Uh, look, I think humor humor is important to all peoples, but I think it's especially important to young males or just males in general uh, because there's no feats of strength anymore. Yeah. You know, we don't sit around going, oh, fucking, I can beat you in battle. A lot of the battling, quote-unquote, that we do is witticisms and, you know, j- jousting verbally and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of the alpha stuff that comes is through, you know, who's the funniest or who's the wittiest or all that kind of nonsense. Um, so despite the fact that I was, you know, whatever I was at the time, five foot two, and, you know, by the time I was in year 10, I was like 120 kilos, um, like just a fucking disgrace, um, I was quite... I, I had status. Yeah, because because of that, the yeah. ability to be... Because I think, too, that there is that thing where, um, as a teenage boy, and, like, I think you and I are similar ages. So, mm. at the, at the, in, oh, going through high school in the mid-90s, the late 90s, the, like you said, it wasn't... The, the level of... Um, violence wasn't there in the schools as much. No, like, there not was still, at all. Get, there were there were scrapes, and scrapes, and that yeah. sort of stuff. But it wasn't it wasn't what you would have expect from what you hear of the seventies, for example. God in no. Australia was a much more violent place. But yeah. but there was that the the biggest fear was being humiliated totally. for a teenage boy, totally. being humiliated in front of everyone. And yeah. the guy who was witty. Um, had to be respected because yeah. there was potential that if you fucked up, yeah, he yeah, could yeah, humiliate. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. he was the dangerous totally, guy in a lot totally. of ways. So he, you, yeah. you'd have that the, that witticism would would get you a certain status. absolutely, and that was you know like I figured that out very early on, both both against other people and against myself. You know, I was obviously a target. Yep. Uh, so the first port of call was to make fun of myself. Immediately, nice. completely take the power away from whoever my opponent was. Yep. You know, they couldn't call me a fat piece of shit if I'd been calling myself a fat piece of Is shit it, all day. In a lot of ways, in a lot of ways like judo, where you use your um you <laughs> use your opponent's weight against them. Yeah, 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 exactly. You used your weight against them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. were trying to use your weight <laughs> yeah, against yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. No, I'm gonna use it against <laughs> me. Thank you very much. Well, you know, and, and it just they rendered completely powerless because yeah. they've got nothing on you. And then, not only that, then you flip it and you find their weakest point. And that's something 
you know, uh, that's a that's a skill I've always had is uh, of finding someone's foundation screw very quickly yeah. and just tapping it and watching them fucking crumble. Yeah. Um, and it's something that it ended up blowing up in my face spectacularly because by the, by about year eleven, you know, I'd gone on so many spear campaigns against so many people that suddenly everyone got together and wait a minute, this guy's a fucking cunt, and all of a sudden I lost all of it. You know, um, overnight, and I was so suddenly like a very unpopular person because everyone knew what a nasty little shit I was. Did you ever see the episode of Thirty Rock where Liz Lemon goes back to her? Um, no, I've never seen Thirty Rock. Oh, mate, you'd, yeah, yeah. you'd love it. Yeah, but she goes back to a school reunion. She remembers all the kids being assholes to her, but they all just remember her as being that snarky one. Yeah, yeah. And they all thought she was horrible. She picked on everyone because of that. That same it's thing. All, that and it's all just fear. You're just terrified. Yeah. You know, I mean. You know, I remember in year 10 or 11, someone describing me as scary. And that was, like, I couldn't believe... It was like, what are you talking for scary? I'm, I'm this tiny, you know, spherical child who's just constantly in fear of everything. You know, if I was walking down the street and seeing, you know, older kids walking towards me, I'd cross the road so I didn't have to walk past them because I knew without that... Sta- I would feel safe when I walked through the gates of my school. Then I knew yeah. I've got status here, you know, no one can really fuck with me too much. But out on the street, fuck, man. It was, you know, so easily to be human. You know, I'd have people catcalling out of cut, not catcalling, that's sexual. <laughs> uh, people, there was no sexual, there was no, there was no one coming on to me sexually at that time in my life. No way. Yeah, I was going to um, say, if dudes are catcalling you, just get them reported, <laughs> eh? Hey, no, people chubby, want to ride in the van? <laughs> But, you know, it didn't take much to really, you know, get under my skin and fuck with me. Because, you know, I was such a, like, literally a massive target. Yeah. Um, you know, and then when I was, uh, whatever it is, 20, I think, you know, I realized, oh, my God, I'm never going to get laid and just started running around the block until I lost 45 kilos. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Well, you know, put a, put an obese kid that's never been fucked into a treadmill and he'll power a fucking city. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, like it was, it, it was, it wasn't. A, but you know, it took about a year, and then post that, it was almost like coming out of AA or something, where I went to everyone that I went to high school with and was like, "I'm so fucking sorry, man. I'm so sorry for all those, you know, awful things I did and said." Because I really would fuck with people's heads. Like I knew how to do it. I was going to say you, you have, and I feel like. Like where you said you'd be able to find their foundation screw fairly quickly. Mm. I've always I've be like I've got a similar uh, I've, where I, I'm very quickly able to just oh okay I can see this yeah. is your weakness and you see it here with the um with the roast battles yeah that's why you are very when I, I've seen you Danny <laughs> the roast battles you you are you are a very very um concise uh, <laughs> uh, person in the in those roast battles and judging too yeah. just that ability to get but no no this is what's underlying all yeah, this yeah 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 but i think but do you do you find you say you're good at it as well do you i find and tell me if you are similar in this i find it comes from not from necessarily being astute about other people it's about being astute about yourself oh. and really honest with your own motivations your own weaknesses purely and just motivated. seeing it in other people purely motivated out of my own insecurity was yeah, a skill yeah. I developed because I, yeah, I similar I, I just didn't you know you just and I, I assume I assume that that's how most teenage boys and probably girls go through their teenage years yeah. is somewhat in those social circles somewhat yeah. feeling um, very insecure and you know somewhat afraid but it's it was that that was that was the mechanism that was available to me as well. Yeah, yeah. And so, but yeah, I find I I kind of enjoy doing the um like I enjoy doing the roasts here. Yeah, it's great the roast battles. But I do feel like sometimes when I've if I get in the ha- if I go and I go I'm going to write for this I'm going to you know write some roast jokes mm. I find it very very tempting to stay in that mode. <laughs> uh, like I get in that, get locked into that writing, mode and then all of a sudden I'm, sa- I find I'm just saying stuff to people I know, like you know, yeah. friends, like you know, friends or whatever, and I'm just like, whoa, this is no, okay, that's funny, but it's without the context of a roast battle, it's just mean. Yeah, that's something I still struggle, <laughs> maybe not struggle with, but I I can go over the line sometimes, but I do so enjoy being a nasty little shit, <laughs> you know, especially. You know, if it's in a context where everyone knows the 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 you know the the, the truth of your heart and all that kind of stuff, and knowing that you don't really mean it, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but it is, it's definitely a power that you either uh, reckon with and 
uh, tame or I think it just poisons your soul and you become a horrible cunt. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a fun muscle to exercise, but I like and that's what I've found uh, the, the, with the roast. It's it's good, but just being aware, okay, time to snap out of roast joke yeah. mode and yeah. you know, get back into human being mode. <laughs> um, is it is a It's also a tonal thing, you know, it's all about tone. Yes. You can say the nastiest thing in the world, but if your tone's bang on, you know, where other people might, you know, make the room go all quiet and uncomfortable, you get a laugh. Yeah. Um, you know, and now I guess I channel that when I'm on stage, if there's someone in the audience that's being a fuckhead, you know, I, I, I'm not one of that. You know, when, you know, when MCs get on, they go do that whole like, um, don't heckle the act. If you need to heckle anyone, heckle me. I'm like, don't fucking tell them that if I'm getting on, please. <laughs> I want them to heckle yeah. me. I, I, it's like roll up your sleeves time. I can't fucking wait for it. You know, it's 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 great. Uh, yeah, I, I, watching you, I feel like you're one of those. You're an act who prefers to be, and I've, I've, I think I've said this to you. I I, lie, I know when I talk to you before you set and you seem a bit agitated. <laughs> that's when I'm most excited to watch you. Because <laughs> if you're just a little, you've got something in mind you want to do. You're not 100 percent sure of it, and you're just a little off kilter. <laughs> then then you go out sort of on a war footing. And if something happens in the room, that's my favourite time. Yeah. to watch Ben go to work. That's oh, my favourite time as well. You know, I love it. You know, so many gigs I've been doing where I'm dying. You know, there was one at the Friend in Hand a few weeks ago and I was eating shit for about six minutes and I literally had put the mic back in the stand. You know, I had another four or five minutes to go. Put the mic back in the stand, ready to just go, I'm done, you know. And it was before Trump got elected and I'd been talking about how Trump was definitely going to get elected. Uh, and it was just, it was just, there were no jokes. It was just this angry, dark rant. Uh, and all of a sudden this drunk chick yells out, I love Trump. And I heard Wayne, who does the sound next to me, who's seen me do hundreds of gigs, <laughs> just burst out laughing because he knew what was coming. And it was just like, right! And suddenly it, the whole thing turned around. And, it, you know, it was just like, you know, it was that stream of consciousness. You know, I'm going to yeah, fucking dismantle it's, you. It's, it's, I think that's the difference between... And, yeah, and I don't know, maybe this is, the, the, this is the trick with some of that stuff. Is when, like you said, when you're talking about how Trump's going to be elected beforehand, yeah. it's... It's a scattergun, whereas yeah. she gave you a focus. Yeah, absolutely. This absolutely. is where you aim. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. as soon as you've got something to focus your focus on, yeah. then then that becomes easier. That's, yeah, totally, totally. That's an interesting um yeah, that's an interesting like I that now that I now that I think of that, now that I say that, I can actually recall other times watching you where that is exactly the sort of thing. You're like you te- like you like you said, you're agitated, you're on it, and something happens or someone says yeah. something and you just get that or something happens right before you go on that gives you that focus. Yeah, yeah, I think it's right, the focus. Yeah, yeah, because I do get up so much and just waffle, you know. I, I uh, you know, and that's I, I think that's always been a big impediment for me, uh, getting past a certain point of, you know, whatever career-wise, whatever you want word you want to use, uh, that it's I uh, when I do well, it's very good, but it's not a consistent method. Because yeah. I'm not a guy that can get up and just do my bits. You know what it is? It's like, you know, outside of prison when there's a prison break and the searchlights are on? <laughs> that's where you're... <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah, you're yeah. just sweeping, looking for the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For the prisoner. Yeah. Then when you find him, you're like, oh, this guy's going to be fucked up. <laughs> they're sending out dogs. They're sending out blokes. There's guys with shotguns. <laughs> this is, this is going to get real. Yeah. This, is very, this, is, this, this podcast is a revelation for me. Yeah, I'm man, figuring I'm, a lot of stuff out about myself. I'm just enjoying uh, describing your comedy and metaphors <laughs> this is the best bit of writing i've done in ages <laughs> so after what, what kind of student were you though we did you do well at school like, no no i was um i was fucking horrible i was horrible i um i through lack of application or yeah no i i i, I you know yeah complete lack of application i just didn't give a shit i was bored yeah was boring you know and it was a half and half thing. Half of them, like, I realized very early on in high school, this is your, this is really the last years of your life that you can be a complete fucking delinquent and get away with it. Yeah. Because after a certain point, it's not going to be cute or funny anymore. Uh, and there's going to be actual consequences, not just, you know, being yanked into the principal's office and told off. Mm. Or, um, uh, and it was also, you know, I think education now is a lot more geared towards individual aptitude, yeah. whereas back then it was like, 
you know, you're a student, so you must learn trigonometry and ancient Egyptian history. And so, well, if you're not fucking interested in those things, it's, you know, I was just, I, I just found the whole thing just what, tedious. What were your subjects? What were, what were your favourites? Oh, I loved, like, I was very, I always got straight A's in English, always. I was going to say, I uh, could see you as an English. Yeah, yeah, very good at English. Um, good at art and drama and, you know, all the wank subjects. Um, uh, maths and all that was just not, not interested. Science, I fucking hated. But at the same time, you know, now I love science. As an adult, I've come to really be fascinated in science. And I look back at my school and it's like, well, you know what? If a student isn't interested in something as fascinating as science, that's not the student's fault. That's the fucking teacher's fault. You know, we would get into class and the teacher would be like, right, you're going to learn about gravity. And they'd pull out, you know, six blackboards full of formulas and just go, copy that. that like, well, that's not, that was not where, teaching anything. That was where, so, like, because I, I liked science and I, I, I liked maths a lot. But I, I found I'd lose, they'd lose me when it was just get to memorising formulas. Because memory was a, just, I had a reasonably good memory, but yeah. it was just, that was like a trick. So yeah. you didn't. And that that is a it's such a binary thing. Either you remember it or yeah. you don't. Whereas I remember my old man was a maths teacher, right? And yeah, I remember right. him teaching me. Um, we'd learn all the formulas for different, you know, working out surface areas and stuff of different shapes. And one of the ones, the the working out the surface area of a cone, um, the formula for that I could just never remember. And I remember my old man saying, <laughs> "What are you giggling I'm for?" <laughs> Uh, no, no, keep going. Yeah, but my old man actually. Because if you put it into a metaphor of you know how much fucking chop could you fit in a cone, then I reckon a lot of students could figure out the circumference of a cone. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the thing. My old man sat me down. He goes, "Okay, well, what is like?" He goes, "Break it down into whatever shapes it is." Yeah. And he taught me. He goes, "That that you don't need to remember that one yeah. because you know how to work out the um, surface area of a yeah, circle, right. yep. and you know how to work out what." segment what percentage of a circle the 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 triangle part of the cone is essentially like uh-huh. the segment part and he just basically taught me how to do that and he goes so you just break it down like that yeah and right. i was like oh and then but it was that i've never it's giving forgotten. you that aha moment yeah i've never forgotten because yeah. he told me why it works not yeah. this is the formula yeah yeah yeah, like yeah, you, yeah. You, you, oh this is why it works. This, all you're doing is working it you're just breaking it down to this yeah and i can look at a cone and go oh there's the circle there's the, there's yeah. the segment so yeah, that's yeah 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 that's that that sort of stuff. Where my, that's where my old man, like I, I knew a few, because um, we when we were in when we were out in the country, he taught at the school that I the high school I then went to. He not long left it, but when I got there, but he taught when my brother was there. So I and I played cricket and he coached with you know older blokes that he taught. And one of them said to me one time, he goes, "Oh, your your dad, oh, I suck at maths, but your dad's a really good teacher, eh? Yeah. Just explain shit it's simple." And yeah, that was, my yeah. old man always said, he goes, oh, he goes, my thing was, he goes, I was, he never felt like he was bright because his, his family, like, I don't know, he's smart, but he, I mean, his brother's a magistrate at the moment. Right. Like, fucking, yeah. Right. So he, he was trying to compete, you know, at, yeah. a, at a different level. So he always thought of himself as dumb, but he said, I love maths because you could always work out an answer. Yeah. He said, and you could just break it down into simple stuff. Yeah. And so, like, he, that was his teaching method. He, and he, he loved teaching the, like, the like the lower end maths go, like you know classes as much as he loved teaching the top end ones because the lower end ones he could he felt like he'd make a difference you know a kid yeah i'm sure he did i'm sure he made access. a huge difference yeah so and i think more of that style of teaching yeah like, and i'm not you know i don't want to say you know my old man was the model teacher or anything like that but it was no, but the, it sounds like he was a great teacher but it, yeah it's that thing where when when i'd study with him like he'd come home and i'd he'd sit down and study the shit he explained to me sitting there at the dining room table, I can still remember half that shit. I yeah. can't remember anything I learned yeah. in the classroom. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I didn't even have bad teachers. It was just that except he taught me how to accept, access the why that's important. Yeah, I think the why of why, why it's important and also how it uh, relates to your life. You know, I think so much of what I found frustrating about school was it was just like, you need to learn this. Why? Because you need to learn it. So, well, pff, well what, what bearing does it have on my future existence as a human being you know all of this stuff. It, I remember. It, it, I remember when we were learning about um, parabolas mm. in maths, and I was talking to Dad. I said, "This is garbage. Like, what? what who cares? Like, it's fascinating. Yeah. Oh, good. The focal point. Who cares? Mm. I goes, wh- "When would anyone ever use this?" He goes, "You know how you've been hassling me for pay two B." Yeah. I said, "Yeah." He goes, "What do you think a satellite dish is?" 
Yeah, right. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah okay. So, yeah, some, yeah, yeah. like, I, it, you know, I'm never going to be a satellite technician, but I kn- just knowing that someone uses and being able to look at a satellite and go, oh, that's what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Metaphors. I think that, and that's what a lot of modern science and mathematics education is doing now. They're putting yeah. it into metaphorical. And I think because I was always uh, uh, humanities and English focused, I think I would have done well at that stuff if it had been put into metaphorical stuff rather than you know literally we had this fucking teacher mr graves who would put up blackboard upon blackboard upon blackboard of just writing and it would literally be copy that for 50 minutes that's not teaching you're not teaching me anything yeah you know and then he'd get the shits with us that we were fucking terrible students and so you're a terrible teacher you're not doing your fucking job you're not you're not telling us why this is important you're not showing us how it actually works why am i here so I, you know, I basically clicked out and just became a mischief maker. And my whole, uh, 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 the point for me of being in high school was to just create chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to enjoy it. Yeah, and I did enjoy it. I had a lot of fun. I think that's it's interesting too. Like I think there's um, something to be said for yeah. You know, I feel like some of those teachers, like you know, that teach that way, mm. are guys that are guys or girls, I suppose, um, who are. Um, who are people who it just came very naturally to, so yeah. they have trouble explaining yeah. it to people who it doesn't come naturally to. Where yeah. I think, like it's like when you see in sport, like you know, the the some of the best coaches are guys that coach at a level that's higher above than what they pay mm. played because they just like they reckon Andrew Johns um, is a good can can take the game apart, can see everything, but has trouble explaining to other players. Yeah how to do that because it just comes so naturally to him yeah, yeah, yeah. as a player. So, and you know, I think that's, I think uh, what I think is we need more dumb teachers. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Great. That's yeah, smart people and, and everything. The prime minister, what a great <laughs> fucking policy. <laughs> Mate, it's, uh, that's, uh, I could sell that to Trump, I reckon. Oh God. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh man. So, um, post high school, what was the, what, what happened then? What would you, university, what, um, so I went to I went to university um, not because I wanted to go to university for twofold reason. Uh, one was uh, my I got I got I, I can't remember what I, I think I got. So I, we were expecting me and my family were expecting a red dot for my UAI, okay, which is what under thirty under thirty because it was just like it was you know. There were two exams. I got twenty minutes into it and just went nah, and just walked out because it was just like you know I was I was doing nothing. I mean, the night before my modern history um, exam, I'd done nothing and I bought the study guide before it and I was just trying to do like memory palace mnemonics to try and cram yeah. this information into my head. And then there was an ad for the Incredible Hulk uh, telly movie on TV, and I was like, oh fuck it, I'll just watch that. Uh, <laughs> and so it was just it was a disaster. And nothing more modern than that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I ended up getting, I think, 69 or 68 or something. Geez, that's a good result for yeah, the yeah. application. And, you know, and my mum was like blown away and she was so happy. And then, of course, the next thing was, can you imagine what you would have got if you'd actually applied yourself? <laughs> um, and so I got, uh, I was able to do a BA at Sydney Uni. And so it was, a, uh, so I, I, I kind of got pressured into it by my family because, you know, they're old world European Jews who are like, Sydney University, it's so prestigious, you must go. And I'm like, dude, I've been nothing but a delinquent my whole high school career. Do you really think it's a good idea for me to go straight into school? Like, yeah. maybe I should just get the fuck out of school for it's a not, while. and Not just my- school, but unconstrained, where there's no one saying, listen. Yeah, absolutely. No yeah, one's yeah, saying, yeah. stay. There's, yeah. You, if you get up and walk out, no one's stopping you at university. Exactly. And um, it's it's also that and uh, a school that costs a lot more. Yeah, I'm still paying the hex debt. Yeah. You know, that's the <laughs> I used to have goals in life, you know, like I'm going to live in a mansion or uh, get a yacht. And now it's just like, I just hope I don't earn enough money to have to pay my hex debt back every tax threshold year. That's what every... <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> it's like, look, I want to have some success, but not enough. Yeah, not <laughs> enough to ever have to pay X off. Um, but, you know, I, I, I was there for like three months and then pretended to go uh, for the rest of the year just to keep my family, shut my family up. And then in the end just went, you know, finally grew the balls to say to my family, like, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't for me. I'm not going to do it. Uh, and so I ended up, after a little bit going and getting a diploma of film and TV production at North Sydney TAFE. Um, oh, that would have been back when the... Was the ABC still over at Gore Hill then? And I, I don't even know. 
Because that was where I'm um, not Sydney TAFE. Is that at St. Leonard's? Yeah, much? St. Leonard's. Yeah. yeah. So where Fox Sports is now, yeah. that broadcast way, that used to be the old ABC. Yeah, right. I, I don't remember when exactly they moved, but that would have been, that would make logical sense that that TAFE was offering those courses right next door. It was, it was around, it was, because t- I still remember, it was, it was 2001, because I remember going to TAFE one day and it was after the day after September 11th. So it was around that era. Um, but I hated that as well. I just oh, really? fucking hated. I hated everything, you know. Um, and so I ended up just kind of bouncing from shitty job to shitty job. A lot of cafe work. I worked at Starbucks. Oh my god, can you imagine? Um, <laughs> uh, a lot of a lot of those dodgy jobs. And then um, that TAFE diploma ended up coming in handy because I ended up getting a job. Um, just painting sets at the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. It was just like a day's work. Uh, nothing. Just a, you know, whatever. Uh, and through that, met a dude who worked for a production company who asked me what I wanted to do. I said I wanted to write. He said I'm working on a kids' game show, a game show called Go Go Stop. Remember Dro- it well? Yeah. It was a big hit back then. Um, and I ended up becoming the basically the writer of every episode of that. Oh, wow. Um, and that's kicked off a pretty lucrative 10-year career writing children's game shows. So I've written uh, like eight or nine different game shows for years and years and years. Um, See, that's Amongst a whole bunch of other weird shit. That's a fascinating <laughs> thing too. It's like you, the, the, the people I know that work on kids' game shows, yeah. like you and uh, the other... Well, not so much game shows, but Bruce Griffiths has written yeah. a bunch of kids' shows yeah, and yeah, that sort yeah. of stuff. Not the immediate people you would think... Uh, <laughs> You know what I, I mean, and that's no aspersions. I used to do a bit about it on stage, where you know, I'd I'd I'd, uh, I'd do all my usual degenerate material, and then towards the end, I'd say, you know, I, I work on children's television, and no one would believe it, and I'd go, I do, I do, but you know, um, and you know, I've always been anti-TV, um, and I was like, you know, and that's why you need to fucking tear the aerial out of your television set <laughs> because the reality is, it's degenerates like me that are educating your children every afternoon at four. Doing, yeah, but it's noble work. I've seen, I've seen the Golden Globes, mate. You, you guys make a real difference. <laughs> so, yeah, I did that. Um, and, you know, uh, and, and post that, you know, I, I was a dog trainer for five years. Um, I used to work on the Sydney Harbour Bridge as a tour guide. Oh, really? Yeah, I've done a lot of weird, crazy shit. You know, stuff that at the time was like, you're living this fucking stupid wayward life. But, you know, I look back on it now and it's like, yeah, I haven't had a heady career and, you know... Well, you've got, got a lot ladder. of supers to roll into one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, a lot of disparate, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'd love to claim that shit. Um, but I look back on it and it's like, you know, everything has logically led to everything else and everything has contributed to me being at a stage in my life where I actually really enjoy living in my own head. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I like the way I engage with people. I like the way I think. And I think all of those things have, you know, added to that but rich tapestry. Yeah, you're building experiences. You're not doing the same thing. Like, and those jobs, like, it's not like you... Like, and look, I and I, I've got a bit of... I, um, this has... That sort of thing has an appeal to me too, where you, you go in and you're not... You, you, you're building a range of experiences yeah. rather than um, and within a range of fields rather than sticking to one thing. Like yeah. I've, I've always been someone who was like, I'll, I'll try the things that interest me. Like yeah. and I'll try and follow my interests and purely partly out of a, a knowledge, my own knowledge of myself, knowing how quickly I can get bored with That's things. Same as me, yep. And and just that 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 desire not to uh, not to have that I, I, I don't want to be the guy like just hating their job every day going to a place like totally you spend too much time in totally. jobs so like you know working in places if you're if you're not liking where you work like and, and understand every no one loves where they work all the time no but if your overall feeling at the end of any given year is you know what it, it it's um you know there i i actually pr- didn't mind being there like yeah. a, you don't even have to set it super high. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah. Then maybe you know my my thing. And for me, like I know there's people that can just go, "Yep, mate, just go to work, head down, and then live for the weekend, live for this stuff outside that." It's just like to me, it just like, and that, again, it's not to disparage anyone's existence, but to me, it just feels like 
you know, just ticking off the days until, you know, the oh, end. Man. I'm kind of jealous of it, though. Like, Are I, you? Yes. Because I, I, I... And this might be different, different um, you know, the lifestyles you and I lead at the moment where, you know, I get, I'm married, I've got kids who live out in the suburbs and there are guys around, like, they're, they're quite doing quite well in their careers, stuff that would never interest me and I just go, I wish I could... And they seem perfectly happy. Mm. They're building their life and they're, they've got their, their routine and, and I, I kind of wish, like, I look at that and go, geez, I wish I could... And I know I could never be happy. Like, every now and then I'll have fantasy, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, maybe if... Maybe I, I, I would have been a good car salesman. I'd probably own a car yard by now. <laughs> like, just that sort of stuff where it's like, I've, one, you don't like... You're not particularly yeah. interested in cars. Yeah. Surely, if you're going to sell them, you've got to be somewhat interested in them. Yeah. Two, you're not particularly interested in selling things. Like, <laughs> it's... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that sort of thing where you... The, that grass is greener stuff where... And that's where I think knowing being able to take a step back and knowing yourself and going, yeah, actually, it does look good, but that wouldn't be for me. It's also a thing of, you know, um, you know, I've had some fucking cool jobs. You and, have. And bar none, every one of them have become tedious and just jobs, you yeah. know, and I feel like, and that's not, that's not after very long, you know, after a few years of being around dogs every day, and I was around 50 dogs at once, you know, in a massive pen. It's like the dream job for a, a person for that loves dog dogs. Lover, yeah. And by the end of it, I had such contempt for dogs. You know, I was just like, get the fuck away from me, you needy <laughs> cunt. Um, you know, I remember one, one day on the Harbour Bridge, we, we were on a twilight climb. You know, that's where the sun's going down. And it's yeah. just, it's, you know, the sun's going down. It's a perfect, perfect Sydney day, not a cloud in the sky. The sun is going down behind the Blue Mountains. People are like tearing up watching it. And, you know, whatever, this was my 200th climb or whatever, and I'm up there just, you know, just fucking sink down, you giant ball of fire. I want to get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? It's just like, it just becomes work. That's where, um, that's where you really realise that happiness and satisfaction just are, exist entirely within your own head. Oh, absolutely. You put but, all those constructs around you. where the, And that is, that is a moment where, objectively, you would think that people would be happy. Like, you're seeing... Something beautiful. You're in an amazing spot. Yeah, and you're like you're really seeing one of the and and that sort of stuff. Like the sunset, a beautiful sunset yeah. has a real. I think as humans, just has a real effect. Absolutely. Like there's, yep. you've got to be pretty, um, yeah, pretty battle hardened not to look at a sunset and take yeah. something out of it. I've seen it. You know yeah. what I mean? I've seen it that many times. And yeah, it was beautiful. I could acknowledge that it was aesthetically beautiful and how lucky I am. I'm on top of the Sydney Harbour Bridge watching this thing. Um, but, you know, and I feel like if I was getting bored of something that spectacular, there's no fucking way I could work for 30 years yeah. in an office or at a call centre. And again, it's not to disparage anyone's existence if that's what their existence is and power to you if that's really fulfilling and makes you happy. That's great that, that people find the thing that they do. But, you know, I mean, God, I've, I used to work at the zoo. And after yeah. a year of that, it was just like, "Give me the fuck out of here." I remember, you know? <laughs> I remember because I remember when you you first started. You were talking, when you, you well, I remember talking to you, and you seemed really happy with yeah. working at the zoo. And then I saw you like, you know, maybe fifteen months later, and you're like, "Man, I'm so glad." I hate the, the zoo. <laughs> I was like, wow, that turned around quickly. Yeah, but it just you know, like I'm like that, and um, you know, it's it's frustrating, but on another level, you know, I think I. You know, uh, the age I'm at now, and uh, by no means am I saying I'm old, but, you know, I'm older than I've ever been. Uh, Not as old as you will be tomorrow. Oh, God. Uh, I turned 35 last year, and I I think, you know, when you start getting to your mid-30s, it's really the first time you can look back at different segments of your life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, when when you're 25, you can look back, but really, you're looking back at your childhood and your adolescence. Now, it's like, no, I can look back at a good 15 years of adulthood, um, and, you know, I like that, you know, I like the story that I've lived up until now. You yeah. know, there's, there, there, there's, there's an anxiety that comes with it um, because you don't know where it's going and there's really no stability. And, you know, my mum freaks out about that a lot. You know, she wants me to go back to uni and get a fucking degree and, and have a career and all this stuff. And I see where that's coming from, especially she's of that generation where it's like, you know, what the fuck Stability are you doing? Generation. Yes. Um, but I just know it won't make me happy. See, the thing is, I think in a, in a lot of ways, like it, it's probably 
for a guy like you is, is a bit of a blessing and a curse in that you you're yeah you you're restless and you you do mm. you do want to move around but you're also lucky in that you're smart enough that you're never going to starve doing that you know what i mean <laughs> no, <You're, I'm> not. <laughs> yeah no but you know what i mean some people some people just don't have that ability like like I was talking to a mate of mine about this. He's really worried about. He's got kids, and he, um, they his I mean, his oldest daughter's sort of in her early teens now, and he's looking now at just all the, basically the way the the our economy's going and that sort of stuff. And yeah. youth, youth unemployment's very hidden, and it's it's an incredible rate at the moment. We've got a heap of underemployed university graduates mm. and that sort of stuff. And he was saying to me, he goes, "This is going to be a real problem for our kids." And I said to him. I don't know it's going to be a massive problem for your kids because your kids, one, are very, very smart. Like, he's a, he's a smart guy. His wife's very smart and their mm. kids are very smart. And I said, and two, you have a living circumstance in Sydney where they're going to be able to afford... You You can afford to have them live at home with you yeah. while they go to university and while they um, yeah. are first working. Like, that's... that's. I said, it's not a problem for you, but in in that sort of sense, like, your kids are going to be fine because they'll be smart enough and they'll have the family support structures. Where it's going to hurt is people who don't have oh, absolutely. Sort of things in, absolutely. in play. And, and, and going forward in the future where more and more jobs are becoming automated, yeah. um, God knows what's going to happen, you know? Yeah, I, I think about that. But I think also, too, like in the 50s and in the 60s, um, there was all that, that same sort of stuff. Industrialization was the exact same. These are massive. They're massive. Um, and, and I feel like probably we're in one of those stages where these are massive upheaval times in that yeah. the the way people live is changing. And I don't think we understand quite how much and how it's changing yeah. at the moment. Because like, like, if you talk to people, if you took someone, you, I, I, this is a thought that fascinates me. You go back to the Industrial Revolution. Do you think they knew they were in the Industrial Revolution? No. Yeah. So th- it's that. Uh, maybe. They well, they probably knew that new things were happening, I, I, but I, it's not until you get towards the end of a period like that where you start to you get yeah you're far enough back. So once steam and in the industrial revolution, once um, you've seen uh, the bulk of your village or the bulk of your area you live move from sort of agrarian to oh, and then now everyone seems to be working in factories or a good bunch of people. That's when you start. Oh, okay, this of is course. this is and if you. S- Someone then started saying, oh, this is the Industrial Revolution. Then you go, oh, okay, I get what that means. Yeah. But near the start of that, you wouldn't... No. You wouldn't necessarily understand. And there's, we've always had those those sort of, you know... I, I imagine there were people in this similar stage of the Industrial Revolution going, oh, you know, it's all going to shit, these factories, you know, people yeah. aren't going to have jobs. We're not gonna no, they absolutely them. were. Absolutely were. Watch the Charlie Chaplin film, Modern Times. Yeah. A really interesting film about this, yeah. So it's, I, I wonder if, like... I think the world's got a beautiful way of sort of, and society's got a beautiful way of sort of just adjusting and the next thing comes along. And I don't know if that's just we've been lucky throughout human history. <laughs> or um, In the future, everyone's job will either be YouTube content creator or Deliveroo <laughs> driver. <Yeah. laughs> oh, man. Think of the, uh, think of the stratification there. It's, 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 it's a crazy time. I mean, you know... The middle class will drive Ubers. <laughs> well, not when there's driverless cars. You know, that's the thing that's going to change things in a big way. Mm. Driverless cars, and then it's going to be driverless buses, driverless trains, driverless planes. You know, that's a lot, that's a huge segment of the population that are going to be uh, out of work. And then what, you know? Yeah. Everyone will, I'm telling you, everyone will have a fucking YouTube channel. Everyone, everyone talks about that. They, they do, okay, driverless cars, do you know what percentage of, you know, the workforce is drivers at the moment? Yeah. But we're, realistically, we're not going to have fleets of driverless cars for probably another, I would imagine, another 20 years at least. Just the infrastructure is not... Like, the, yeah. the infrastructure required for that sort of stuff. And then the same in the aviation industry. So, by then, the people that are drivers now, that, that percentage, because we're knowing now that this is coming, yeah, the percentage of that field will have naturally sloughed off and moved to other things. You yeah. hope. But, you know... I, I, well, it's, it's fascinating to think that the kids of today, you know, the majority of jobs that they're going to occupy literally don't even exist yet. Yes. Like, God knows what they'll be doing. Yeah, I know. And that's that's hard. That's where we're going back to schools and education. How do, how do you, like, how do schools educate the kids at the moment for jobs that, are gonna, that don't exist and won't exist for 10 years, 15 years? Oh, totally, years, totally. It, it just even stuff like how do you educate kids about ethics? You know, the ethics of tomorrow are going to be so different, you know, oh, yeah. when so much more of... Um, human communication is online and, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's it's really, it, it's a fascinating time to be alive, that's for sure. It's a great time to be a comedian, just stand on the sidelines and observe rather yeah. than actually contribute. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a, there's something beautiful about being able to uh, occupy the... Uh, but by occupying the sideline, you also simultaneously get to occupy the high ground. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm above it all. Just yeah. uh, I'm the observer. I've seen what society's doing, and I'm apart from it. <laughs> it's like, no, you're not, dickhead. You're exactly you still got an right. iPhone, cunt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, and hopefully you're still paying taxes into the system, but yeah. um, you know, and not enough to just not enough to pay your hex debt. Pay that hex debt <laughs> off, mate. That's uh, <laughs> that is hilarious. So how, like, what, what, are, what? So now you do, you're doing obviously quite a fair bit of stand up. Yeah, yeah. You're um, you got you got much coming up this year. Like, are you doing the festivals? You doing what's the what's your? Um, I'm kind of I'm not. Uh, oh, you I don't f- want to talk about your plan? No, no, no. I'll talk about. I'm, I'm, I feel like I've kind of hit like a stagnation point. I'm kind of bored with what I'm doing, and I feel like I've got to go down a different path. But I'm at that stage where I don't really know uh, how to do that yet. Nice. You know what I mean? That's like, exciting, though. It's kind of excited when I when I you know I spent so long trying to getting on stage and just being like me 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 me. Look at my guts. Um, and then the last couple of years, I was a lot more interested in doing just bits and jokes. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff was just, you know, here's my bit about Tinder. Here's my bit about Coles. Uh, and now I'm bored of that. Uh, and so I would love to go into a lot of like long form social commentary or whatever, something like that. Uh, but I'm not a great writer. I'm a much better talker than I am a writer. Yeah, uh, I feel that. And so... You know, um, that's, you know, something. I'm I'm starting a show back up that I used to run called Fuck Club um, where I'm kind of like the ringmaster slash curator of that. And that creative outlet at the moment is hugely more appealing than individuals, just me getting up and doing stand-up on my own. Here's a thought. What do you... Because I... I, um, I, think about this a bit too is like i find i write better and push myself to write more if i've committed to doing something like committed to so yeah. where you're with that with fuck club where you're the ringmaster you you're obviously then is that that's going to be weekly yeah 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 sunday nights um at the chippo hotel in chippendale so do you feel like that the having the pressure hanging over you of you need to front up with something each Sunday night do you do you find that spurs your well the beauty of that is I don't actually prepare anything I just I you know it's all kind of ad lib so you know back to that thing of being a better uh, speaker than a writer it's just me kind of off the cuff talking and that to me is so exciting because I, I you know it's the same as a comedy I, I feel like I'm the best when I box myself further and further into a corner that's when I was that was what, that pressure yeah so pressure almost forming the diamonds yeah of yeah yeah and and I, I know what you're saying about you know say you lock in a festival show and you gotta write it yeah you know I've done that before and yeah it gets written and it gets memorized and you do it uh, and it was pretty good when I did do it uh, but for me what's more exciting is getting up with an idea like a seed yep. and going, all right, here we go. And just, and it's almost, it's almost like being back in high school where yeah. you've got to, you've got to fucking, you just got to outwit you. You've got to get out of this situation. They're staring at you. You are up there. You've demanded their attention. You better be fucking funny. This is, um, this is something that I'm, I think I'm starting to realize about your process is you, you are, you're, when you've got something to comment on, mm. you're, that's when you're at your best. Yeah. Like you've got something, a thought that you comment on and you could focus in on. Yeah. Whether that's a dickhead who's been a dickhead in the audience or yeah. whether that's a, an issue you're passionate about or yeah. something that happened and a story you want to tell because it gave you some insight into, yeah. into yourself. But with with the fuck club format where you stand up there and it's you talking off, you're almost forcing yourself, forcing those situations to happen. You're, yeah. you're forcing yourself. Because in that room, the way you run that, um, that night, yeah. and if you want to describe it to people... Um, uh, but I, I think the I think that there's always something's going to happen that will for, that will spur you to comment. Like well, yeah, I mean, uh, most for, for for the most part, I I sit up the back uh, on the voice of God microphone and uh, and also a laptop with a whole variety of sound effects and music cues and uh, you know song choices that you can you know and soundscapes. And basically create like an ambience under whoever's on stage, but also interject with comments and heckles. And what I like about the role is it's inherently, um, it's inherently ostentatious and abrasive and audacious to 
basically interrupt someone that was yeah. on stage. So again, it better be fucking funny. If you're going to derail someone who's on stage and start talking over them or, inter- you know, it, it better be perfectly timed and it better be damn funny. And so, you know, what I love about that format is when I pick up the mic to say something, if, you're, if I'm a split second too late, I have to ditch it and not say it. Yeah. Because... The moment's it, gone. The moment's gone. And, you, you know, I love that thing of, you know, you're in this moment... You know, um, and you've also got to, you've just got to be smart and you've got to, it's more, it's not about interrupting the person on stage. It's about complimenting the experience and almost like, you know, like I was saying before, when I'm on stage and I'm dying, if someone yells something out, it's like, oh, thank God. It's almost giving that to someone else as well. The number of times at Fuck Club when someone's on stage just eating shit and then it doesn't even need to be me, you know, heckling's encouraged in general from the audience. Um, someone will yell something out and suddenly they're saved. They've got, an, yeah. they've got a, you know, they've been thrown a life raft. And it's when you say heckling's encouraged, but it's that same sort of thing that you're doing on the mic. You're, yeah. not, you're not encouraging drunken. No, fucked. no, 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 no. Y- if you're going to chip in, and, and that's the thing, the crowd will turn on the person who's shouting Absolutely. Viciously, too. viciously. There's been times people have yelled something out and it ain't funny and that person finds themselves suddenly yanked on stage being ritualistically humili- humiliated <laughs> in front of a room full of people. So again, it, it's almost like there's this unspoken thing in the room where it self-polices. And everyone knows, everyone understands, if you're going to interrupt, you better be damn fucking funny, you know, or you better yeah. be contributing something, uh, not just doing it for your own self-aggrandizing. You know, it's, it's funny because it's, it's very egotistical, but you're, doing, you're being egotistical in an egoless way because you're not doing it for your own gratification or glorification. You're doing it for the betterment of the entire experience, this holistic experience. And it's one of those things too, and I've been talking a bit about this, about what I think is... The, one of the joys of stand-up is stand-up like I love watching a stand-up DVD but there's nothing like in the room oh, it's, and yeah, you th- can't. Th- this is the kind of thing if, if, if we were to come down if someone were to come down with a little film crew and film a fuck club night yeah. it wouldn't capture no. or do justice no. what actually happened in the room because the people that are in the room are feeling the tension yeah. they may be having a thought do I shout this out and feeling that tension yeah, within yeah, themselves yeah, 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 or feeling yeah. tension of the person they've come with If you, especially if you know you've come with a bit of a dickhead yeah um, just that that awkward anything could happen yeah 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 and that's what I lo- that's what I do love about the night there's so often in comedy where it's like you know hey anything could happen well not really it's gonna be nine guys talking about their dicks yeah. um, you know but I love creating an atmosphere where literally anything could happen you know there's been nights that the entire direction of the night's been changed by one incident that happened in the first 20 minutes and then that becomes a running gag throughout the whole night and it, it, it everyone is it's not just the people on stage, it's everyone in the room is as responsible for the night as everyone else. Mm. And everyone has the power to, you know, improve the night or wreck the night or change the direction of the night. Um, and it's, it does create a really interesting atmosphere. Is that, is that hard to, for you as the host, is that hard to set that vibe up, do you find? Like, because, I mean, if someone walks in off the street They've come in. They're not really, but they know that it's something. Um, they're probably from the name. They know it's not, um, you know, yeah. all about like it's not all um, squeaky clean comedy. No, definitely. But if not. they just go, oh, I like comedy, and pop down, how hard do you find it to set that vibe to make them feel comfortable enough to participate and stay? But also, um, for the most part, when people when people come for the first couple of times, they either don't participate. Because, the, like I said, the rooms will self-police itself. Yeah. And people will know there's consequences for being a fucking dickhead. I mean, they'll be ejected. If they're just being disrupted for the sake of being disrupted, they'll be told to yeah. leave. So, in, um, that, in that sense, it's like a, like a regular comedy room. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not, again, it's not about being disruptive. It's about, you know, complimenting the, the experience um, or adding something. It's a, it's a contribution, not a disruption. And all the performers know what they're walking onto, too. It's not like Yeah, a I mean, there's, there's unwritten rules. Like, if someone's come with a pre-prepared piece, like, say, uh, a, a play or uh, something like that, something that they've really... Like, a scripted piece, yeah. they probably won't get interrupted. There might be some music that goes underneath them or something like that. It's different. There's different rules for different kinds of performances. If someone's getting up doing stand-up, all bets are off. Yeah. If someone's getting up being fake, they're going to get destroyed. You know, there's an unofficial rule at the room of um, tell the truth even if you're wearing a mask. So even if you're getting up 
you know, being a character, there's got to be something truthful about it. The only person I've ever seen, I won't name who it was, but the only person I've ever seen just get completely wrecked, the room beat and just destroyed was someone who got up there going like, G'day guys, how weird is public transport? And the room just dismantled them, but they kept going down that path and going down that path and eventually the room broke them and they chucked a massive hissy fit and threw the mic on the ground and stormed off. Oh, wow. Because, but they were, tr- they, were, they, were, they were being inauthentic. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's... It, it's you don't really have to police it the room kind of polices itself if if it gets too rowdy sometimes you have to get on the mic and go all right everyone like fucking settle down give this guy a chance you know um but i i i i've never been more proud of a crowd of people than when that room's running it's the smartest crowd i've ever seen in a comedy room um Mate, we're getting just about to time because uh, there's another comedy night about yep. to kick off where we are. But do you want to give everyone some details of where that room is, when it is, and yeah, um, yeah. it's um at the Chippo involved? Hotel at seven. Um, we'll come at six thirty because um, the show will kick off strictly at six because uh, Mike Baird has shut Sydney down, so we have got to be out by ten. Um, it kicks off at six or seven. Did you it'll say? kick off at seven, but come down at six, six thirty. Yep, come for beers and all that. Um, Chippo Hotel, Abercrombie Street, Chippendale, um, every Sunday night. And if anyone listening wants to perform... Yeah, hit me up on Facebook. Ben Elwood. Elwood is with two L's. There's also um, the Facebook um, fan page. Now, anything you want to plug for yourself? No, not really. I'm on Twitter, at Ben Elwood 11, at Ben Elwood 11. Awesome. Mate, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Andrew. Anytime, oh, see man. See club. Yeah, awesome. See ya. See you, man. Bye.